This is a dog. Good morning. This is Talking Animals on WMNF. My guest today is Heidi Jo Markell, longtime film producer and founder of Stop Poaching Now, an organization dedicated to combating poaching through conservation strategies and educational efforts seeking to reduce the demand for illegal products typically yielded by poaching, in particular elephants' tusks and rhinos' horns. But as a particularly dark example of the impact of COVID-19 on an aspect of the animal world and exploration we've been regularly undertaking here on Talking Animals for several months, the pandemic has effectively eliminated tourism in Africa, sending the infinites of poaching skyrocketing because virtually all other jobs have now been wiped out. So Stop Poaching now faces a more formidable challenge in carrying out its mission, requiring more resources and even more awareness of these animals' horrific plight. We'll hear about the history and evolution of Stop Poaching Now, some details of its current escalated battle with the poachers, and more when I speak with Heidi Jo Markell in a few moments here on Talking Animals on WMNF. Later in the program, I'll speak with Patrick Verdugo, co-founder of Two Shepherds Tap Room, the new combination bar and dog park in Tampa that not only has a large fenced-in space outside, but there's also air-conditioned indoor space for the dogs and their owners. We'll hear about this new canine-friendly and human-friendly, for that matter, enterprise including events they host at Two Shepherds Tap Room a bit later in the program. Right now, though, let's get talking poaching and how to stop it with Heidi Joe, with a reminder that I invite you to join the conversation by calling 813-239-9663, emailing DJ at WMNF.org, or texting 813-433-0885. This is Heidi Joe Markell on Talking Animals on WMNF. Good morning, Heidi. Good morning. Thank you, so, thank you so much for joining us on Talking Animals. I know it's a little bit early out there on the old West Coast, so I appreciate it all the more. Absolutely. So the focus, of course, of our conversation will be Stop Poaching Now. But since this organization is your baby, really, and uh, we don't necessarily think of Hollywood producers functioning as an anti-poaching force, some of your counterparts might say, hey, you can use my name or I can make a sizable donation. But they wouldn't typically tend to dive into something like this the way you seem to. So I'm pretty interested in first hearing some of the Heidi Joe Markell stories. Story. Tell me a little bit about how you, first of all, got into producing, and we'll go from there. Wow. <laughs> That's a long topic, but uh, I think, you know, I, I went to Berkeley, and we were very environmentally aware. Uh, you know, my parents always brought me up uh, as a young environmentalist uh, to be concerned about the environment. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, after college and uh, taking a couple of, uh, you know, ordinary jobs, I, I thought, hey, wouldn't it be fun to try my hand at acting, um, you know, just as a hobby? And, uh, you know, I'm not kind of bored with my job, but it pays well. So I went to, I, you know, didn't move too far to Hollywood. I had lived in the South Bay uh, before near the beach. And I moved up and started, you know, working as an actress and uh, very quickly learned that I loved being behind the camera and uh, putting projects together, putting movies together. And uh, I started producing movies in 1999. I got a break. Uh, a friend did a, 
very powerful indie uh, called um, Ivan's Ecstasy, uh, which starred uh, a little-known um, uh, Danny Houston at that time and had Peter Weller and uh, a notable cast. And wow. we shot the first high-definition um, Sony cam. And uh, that's when you could start making indie movies for under a million dollars. So that was my first, and I just you know made twenty since then. Holy cow! That's been a pretty uh, steady pace, then. that's great. So uh, while we're on this topic, and then again we'll get into other things shortly. But this might be one of those tricky. Uh, which is your children is your favorite question? But can you discuss two or three of the films over those twenty that you've produced that are closest to your heart? Either they clicked in some unusual way, or were really satisfying in terms of content or impact or something along yeah, those lines. I, it, thank you for asking. Uh, there've been a couple of um, more big action-y blockbusters I've worked on, including the um, Olympus Has Fallen franchise, which has been really exciting um, to partner with Gerard Butler as a producer and actor. Yeah. Um, so that's been very notable. Antoine Fuqua did the first one. Um, but I think the one closest, I mean, closest to my heart are anything that have a socially conscious theme, thematic, mm-hmm. like um, Crust with David Schwimmer uh, directing, actually, and starring Clive Owen and... Um, Viola Davis, uh, Catherine Keener, and uh, we broke Leona Liberato, uh, about a 14-year-old girl that gets hit on by an internet pedophile. And, uh, you know, over the internet and back in 2008, that was very novel and, and very scary for parents. And then uh, went on to do another movie called September the Shiraz with dear friend Adrian Brody and Salma Hayek uh, that I later worked again um, on Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard. Um, and that was uh, 1979 Tehran and, you know, an ordinary family that gets caught up with the revolution. Um, I, but I think my favorite is Lovely. It's about, it fascinated me when I was a young girl, when I heard... Um, Linda Lovelace testify in front of the Nice Commission. Mm. I'm like, how does a porn star now turn anti-porn? And to realize how devastating uh, the porn industry was and ex- explore that story um, was one of the best experiences uh, with Amanda Seyfried, Peter Sarsgaard, Sharon Stone, um, James Franco, uh, Hank Azaria, um, on and on. Maybe yeah. Half. Wow. So... Um, couple things there. One is uh, you certainly worked with a lot of really top-notch actors, so that's just no. whatever the project is, that alone has got to be just really satisfying and kind of invigorating to see those people working in, uh, especially with each other in many cases. So, And also, yeah. I think we have a pretty good idea why the name of your company is Eclectic Pictures. <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah. That's exactly right. But yeah, the, the, the socially conscious is, thematic is, is so important to me. And some of my next movies uh, revolve around um, the animal world. And that's, you know, kind of my odyssey. And I'm finding that they, these are some of the most challenging types of projects to uh, get going. For some reason, we don't see um, these kind of movies come by very often. I mean, remember Born Free from the 1960s? Oh, yeah. Henry Mancini, uh, classics, uh, it's hard to do. You know, yeah. there's Angelina Jolie tried to get uh, the, her Africa movie up for years and years. Didn't happen. So, um, but this is, these, these will be the most important movies of my life coming forward. And Heidi Joe, why do you think, not to get too much on a tangent here, but I'm just interested to know why you think those kinds of films, animal-oriented films, tend to be so much tougher. I mean, I know it's always tough to get a movie made and get the financing together and who's going to star and what's going to mean and how's it going to play in other countries and a bunch of other things. But this sounds like it's yet another significant obstacle. Why is that? Uh, you know, I, I, it, it, 
befuddles me to tell you the truth, but okay. I think it's because uh, I, I think that people are most interested in people. Yeah. Um, as, as a general pop human species, we don't care enough about um, our fellow species um, that are balance the ecosystem. And that's been my plight and, and passion and drive with Stop Coaching Now is to bring more awareness of how much we need other animals. We, we're not... <laughs> We're not the be-all and end-all here, folks. We rely on other, you know, we rely on bugs and insects, for God's sake. And we don't think anything about destroying them. So these every, everybody, these keystone species especially that we focus on at Stop Coaching Now, uh, elephants, rhino, uh, lions, uh, apex predators, um, they function the ecosystem. Human species are not keystone species. We could disappear all tomorrow and the planet would be fine. You know, it could totally function without us. So we just kind of complicate things by uh, being the kind of species we are, which, you know, posable thumbs and we've evolved since then. But unfortunately, I don't feel that we evolve empathetically to care enough about um, the balance of nature. Well, I, of course, couldn't agree with you more. And if there's, uh, <laughs> uh, sadly, I mean, I, that is the case. And that's among the reasons a show like this, modest as it is, exists to try to cultivate more empathy and awareness so that uh, we can make some inroads in that way. But let me, folks, know this is Talking Animals on WNF. I'm Duncan Strauss. If you just tuned in, my guest is Heidi Jo Markell, longtime film producer and founder of Stop Poaching Now, which combats poaching through various means. But now faces even greater challenges as COVID-19 has brought a drastic reduction in tourism and a corresponding dramatic rise in poaching. If you would like to ask Heidi Joe a question or offer a comment, please call 813-239-9663, email dj at wmnf.org or text 813-433-0885. So at this point, it probably feels like there was never a time you weren't steeped in the poaching crisis, but when did you sort of first become aware of poaching and under what circumstance? Uh, I think I had uh, awareness from a very young age. I think I, uh, I kept an eye on the sighties uh, and the, that the, um, basically the census of animals and how many were left. And, yeah. And I kept seeing that number drop. And I think in um, about 2008, um, that's when it was sort of the rise of China and then um, where there became a very wealthy class. Um, there... Uh, GDP had grown so much that they started purchasing at an um, astronomical rate uh, luxury items. And uh, these animals are considered luxury items, you know, for people that have obscene amounts of money to spend. Um, yeah. They, over in, in Asia, they snort rhino horn like it's cocaine. Um, and they, they call it an aphrodisiac and that it uh, somehow uh, leads to virility and... Um, so it, it becomes a very ego thing for um, people in this lifestyle. And that's led to the decimation of the rhino population. Um, there's only, oh, I say 26, but probably 24,000 left. Uh, hundreds have been poached just even recently due to the COVID crisis. Um, their numbers are going down dramatically. And if we don't get involved, they're going to be gone you know, yeah. in, in zoos. And that's no way for an animal to live. I mean, we can't just take them out of their habitat. They are brilliant, amazing creatures. And if you've never been to Africa, they're there, you know. Yeah. Now. Uh, but they may not be there five uh, years or even less because of this COVID crisis. For sure. Well, I want to get into that, but I first wanted to say I, I'm pretty sure you're the film f first film producer I've spoken to who also happens to be a CITES nerd. 
So that's definitely a rare, uh, rare combo. So, um, so I think when anyone hears about the horrors involved in poaching, they're repulsed. And when they hear more details or, God forbid, see photos, I think their outrage usually grows. But most people really, at the end of the day, don't do anything about it. You did. Why? I mean, it sounds like you grew up in a household where animals and the environment and other things were really prized and really important. But still, that's a significant step to take. Why did you? Um, Because somebody had to do it. Uh, You know, I had a young child at the time, and uh, she's now in college. Um, But I wanted to show her the right way. Uh, That was important to me, to mouth is. And I took my money and I started putting it into this because I feel that it's that important and I feel that everybody should if you can't get out there and be an activist you should put your money towards uh, one one of these many organizations um, like Stop Poaching Now that is actually doing something to stop the desecration of the planet and the animals including ocean charities um, you cannot just be passive and, and like a post you know you can't just be outraged great that you're sharing it on social media but you got to get uh, behind this financially. The world does. Um, that's why we just did a, uh, a COVID-related event that was just very simple for everybody in the world to get involved. Now, tell you a little bit about global erase extinction and when you're ready for it yeah no we'll circle back around that but in addition to, to just being it sounds like just inherently socially conscious and again wanting to set an example for your child were you also like a passionate elephant fan and or rhino fan i mean was there something particular about one or, or more of those animals that were super vulnerable and being poached or you thought well this is part of the reason i really have to do something now uh you know, again, I think it came down to seeing how the CITES uh, was suddenly being affected by the <laughs> It goes back to your CITES obsession. I should have known. Yeah, I, Sorry. I, yeah. Well, because I saw the numbers dwindling so fast. So you yeah. just gotten an email from me, Duncan. You'll know it's on my email. The CITES is on there of the uh, animal populations. And people always say, wow, you have that on your email so that, you know, it, it's in people's faces. Like, these, they're going. They're going rapidly. So if, if we don't all get involved, they're going to be gone. So that's why I picked these particular animals. I could yeah. just as easily have picked whales and dolphins sure. and, um, and sea animals. I mean, they're all, so many species are in threat of extinction. You don't have, I love elephants. I love rhinos. I, I, I've been to Africa to see them. Um, but, I, you know, you're, Duncan, I'm talking to a fellow animal lover. Yeah. Hard with the kitty, you know, use that expression. Right. But you, we love them all, you know, so we don't want to see any of them go extinct. So, yeah. Uh, so I picked these, it was almost a little bit random, you know, but pick something. That's what I'm saying. Pick a polar bear. Right. Just uh, get involved and do it. Get going. That's yeah. right. Get get involved. Get going. Uh, I think people really have an affinity to elephants that, because they are uh, some of the smartest animals out there. They're also the most empathetic animals. In fact, they trump humans in empathy um when they'll walk a hundred miles uh you know for a, a funeral for a dead elephant you know yeah. they are so compassionate and um you know how we can allow something like this magnificent creature to be destroyed is beyond me yeah no well you're talking to a uh, complete elephant nut partly for 
those reasons, the, uh, the emotional complexity, the way they grieve uh, the loss of others and, and just a number of other things. But, uh, but it sounds like from what you're saying, it just as easily could have been a, a whole other animal that was in trouble for a different set of reasons. But you chose this and, okay, let's go. And, of course, as a producer, you're someone who's accustomed to getting things done, and you do. Thank you. Uh, uh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. I, I definitely try to apply what I've learned in, in film production to um, uh, event production and fundraising and, uh, you know, an, and animal saving, you know, it's a, it's a big effort, you know, it's yeah. a lot of effort to wake up every day and say, how can I do better in everything, including um, saving more elephants, saving more animals. Uh, one key interesting factor, and one of my board members, um, Jamie White, um, who uh, uh, does a lot with, uh, has an organization called Soccer for Hope and Pediatric uh, Brain Cancer, um, uh, has worked with scientists that found out that elephants don't get cancer. Um, and so we've been studying them. And she, she jumped on board with us because it's such a cause near and dear to her heart um, and that how amazing these animals are and that we need them to might they might be the key to unlocking, you know, cures for cancer for us. And yet <laughs> we just allow them to be destroyed, you know. Wow. So I got, you know, Jamie on uh, on board because she cared so much about, um, you know, the dual causes and it made her um, endeared to even more so uh, to elephants than she already was. So she's like, we got to stop this. They're going to, humans are going to destroy themselves by destroying these animals. So, um, Heidi Joe, what are some of the guiding principles to the stop poaching now strategy? I mean, what sort of tactics, if that's the right word, even have you guys employed to really try to take on this pretty sprawling, ugly problem? Uh, well, uh, you know, the mission is um, really about education. Um, yeah. That's our, our biggest mission. Um, it, 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 it's a two-pronged mission, actually, uh, protect and educate. Um, if we could get to all the kids and and, and teach them the importance of all the things that we've talked about on this call, Duncan, then, you know, it, we wouldn't have a problem with the poaching. Uh, it, it's really about getting kids before they become adults and they don't understand, you know, the significance of how important, you know, these animals are and animal rights and animal sensitivity um, and, you know, our, our dependence on other species. So that's our, uh, that's our overall arching mission. But, in the meantime, if you can educate, you know, it takes many, many years. It takes generational to educate, even 20 years. So in 20 years, we know all the animals will be gone. These keystone species that we've spoken of, um, pangolins, um, rhino, uh, lions, tigers. So what do you got to do in the meantime is protect. Um, and we've got to put in port, we've got to reinforce um, protection for these animals. That's very important. And stop poaching now has initiated a dog, drone, and ranger program. Um, they, those three things work in conjunction very effectively. Uh, the dogs are generally um, Belgian Malinois, um, which are a specially bred uh, animal that um, when they show up, poachers leave. <laughs> poachers do not want to deal with these dogs. Uh, they're terrified of them. Um, they can sniff out ammunition. They can sniff out supplies of uh, horn and going through um, and being smuggled. So dogs are a real foe coaching, and they're brilliant, you know. And um, so, and then they work in conjunction with the drones that can spot the, the poachers coming in, and um, and then the rangers are in sync with uh, with that program, and they cut poaching rates, you know, by ninety percent when they're uh, used all three together. So 
that's a really effective tool to uh, combat poaching. Yeah. You made a reference, and I was going to ask you kind of about this anyway, but uh, to what extent, I mean, we talked about elephants and rhinos primarily, I guess. To what extent are pangolins centrally involved in the poaching that we're talking about in your efforts to stop it? Oh, well, well, there's so few left. Yeah. This is the most heavily trafficked animal um, on the planet. Yeah. yeah, this, their scales, again, Asian market, folks, you know, stop buying this crap, wake up. Uh, these scales are just scales. These are like little anteater type of uh, um, animals and actually one of the most friendly animals. I mean, the, the rangers who protect them, they can ride on their shoulders and they're very loving, um, beautiful animals and very few left. Uh, this is very typical. You've probably heard this story over and over again, Duncan. But when they when you grab these animals, you know the other animals try to the mom tries to protect. You end up killing a bunch of them just to get the babies, or uh, then they want to cart these animals live and transport them because they're more valuable. And then many of them die in the process. Yeah. Uh, and and it's just it's it's a terrible terrible industry. Um, all for uh, something that's made of keratin, um, like rhino horn is made of keratin. Yeah. And. It has no medicinal purpose, and it's this herb, this um, Chinese mythology, or this Asian mythology, that somehow you're going to cure cancer from keratin, um, which we all know is not true. You know? Yeah, yeah. The pangolins. I mean, I have a real soft spot for them because they just seem. First of all, they seem like some sort of design uh, error of some kind. Well, I mean, they're. I, I find them kind of enchanting in a way, but it's like, okay, it kind of looks like an anteater, but it's got scales and it's. But they're really gentle and nice, from what I can gather, and unfortunately, just so sought after for, like you say, all the once again wrong reasons, and they're just their population has been devastated. Devastated. Absolutely. So back to dog, drone, and ranger. It sounds like that's been really, really effective. So tell me about, actually, if you already said this, I'm sorry if I missed it, but when did you launch Stop Poaching Now? In 2015. Okay. So it's been five years. Yeah. What were the initial few years like? If you could do just sort of a basic overview of that and can then contrast with when, a few months ago, when the pandemic hit and how that seems to have really drastically altered the landscape. Uh, yes. Well, we started off with a bang and we did some, um, some uh, galas and uh, celebrity fundraisers. And, uh, you know, it was basically the idea that, um, you know, I've been to in Hollywood. Hollywood is a very philanthropic community. You've got a lot of stars uh, standing up for a lot of different uh, charities. And uh, you hear about it all the time. You read it in the People magazine. You see all that. Um, but I saw what I saw was uh, animals being a bit underserved um, in the Hollywood community. So my thought was, hey, this is a mistake, you know. Yeah. Animals are important, too. I, I've been to so many, uh, excuse the expression, but rubber chicken dinners um, <laughs> at the fancy hotels um, at, you know, $10,000 a table. Yeah. Um, and was always about humans. And uh, I'm sorry, but we're 8 billion. Uh, you know, that was the contrast to the societies. When we're 8 billion and rhinos are under 25,000, something's wrong here. Um, just 100 years ago, there used to be 10 million elephants. Why, why are we down to 353,000 elephants? It's just incredulous. Yeah. You know? so, yeah. so that's, I said, certainly Hollywood's got to care about this cause um, even more. So 
worked on all these movies and I can start reaching out to my friends that I've made over the years. And obviously, I, I'm just a Hollywood producer. Uh, Hollywood producers aren't recognizable names like celebrities are in front of the camera. But at least I have these friends and I know that they'll support my involvement and um, show up and you know take pictures and, and give speeches. And so that's kind of the thought of it. So you get more eyeballs on this and then hopefully uh, one of these fabulous um, movies come together on topic. So yeah. That's, oh, that's sorry. Go ahead. Getting Hollywood involved. Yeah. That's, that's how we started. More flashy. I think we did, you know, bigger galas in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it just seems like things have in the last few years, uh, you know, have been a little bit more austere uh, uh, economically. People are struggling a little bit more um, these days. And then COVID hit, you yeah. know, and that posed a whole different program for everybody. You know, er- every listener on this call, uh, except in a few, few um, subsects that are doing really well right now. You work for Amazon, you're Jeff Bezos. Um, but, you know, a lot of people are really struggling right now financially. Yeah. And But as hard as this has been for humans, COVID, trust me, is, you know, 2,000 times worse for animals. Um, and it's funny because, you know, we hear a couple uh, tigers in the zoo got the COVID, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about uh, tourism is he to these animals' survival. That's the reason they're still on the planet. Uh, otherwise, they probably would have been gone by now. Um, we protect them because humans want to come see them, and that is an industry, you know? And But I can support that industry because at least we're letting them live in their habitat free and um, born free. And so without tourism, you can imagine there's no funding for rangers. And that with the cutting of funding... Um, from no tourism, it's become a poacher's paradise, a poacher's holiday right now, if you will. So that is very, um, we had an event planned, as usual, in uh, April. It was a local event in Los Angeles, and uh, that went away, obviously, because of uh, the virus. And so we said, okay, now what do we do? You know, what can we do that will have even a bigger impact? Because our friends in Africa started re- and Asia started reaching out to us and saying, help us right now. We need more help because um, there's no tourism and we're, we're struggling here and the poachers have amped up the poaching. So we got the call of duty in about April and we said, well, we're not doing this local fundraiser anymore. We usually do an a- annual spinning event at a spin studio. And we said, well, what if we could get everybody in the world to walk, ride, or run um, anywhere and everywhere, you know, with your mask, COVID-friendly, um, COVID-safe, COVID-friendly, COVID-safe, and we could get everybody to participate. And like I said in, from the beginning, Duncan, this is not Africa's problem. This is not um, uh, South Africa's problem, Zambia's problem, Botswana's problem. This is our problem. This is a global problem. Um, if we lose these animals, uh, these ecosystems will die, and but consequently, there will be lots more wars. People will starve. Uh, there will be mass famine. Um, the consequences are truly uh, earth-shaking. Yeah. So how do we get everybody involved to solve this? And that's where we um, Global E-Race Extinction was born. And it's not just an event. It's a movement. It's a, a continual movement of us working together to keep these animals on the planet. So that's the idea. We did an event two weeks ago on August 15th and 16th. 
And this is an event that went around the world. It started in Rio de Janeiro, and it, in every time zone from 10 to 11 a.m., we said, you, you know, please walk, ride, or run to um, show your solidarity for and support for these animals. And for $25 or whatever amount you can donate, um, you can help help us in this crusade. So, Heidi Joe, in a situation like that, what sounds like a tr- truly uh, epic scope in terms of uh, crossing the globe and getting various people involved in whatever way they could participate, then the monies that are generated from that, where do they go and how do they help address the current version of the poaching crisis that's made uh, been so exacerbated by the pandemic? Um, yes, well, we have, what we did is we brought together a consortium of of a beneficiary to be the you know the benefactors. They're part of the ones that reached out to us, um, which included uh, Rhino Nine One One and Project Rhino. Um, Brett Grant Fowles, um, who we've become very close with, he's right on the ground protecting these animals. Um, we we brought in also uh, Game Rangers International, where we uh, sponsor a baby elephant named Lonnie, um, and so we brought together seven, eight beneficiaries, because we feel as a collective of, of uh, groups of people working together, not just one organization, um, that we have more gravitas and more um, presence. And we all work together with these beneficiaries on social media to bring uh, awareness to this event. And so yeah, that's where the money goes. It goes uh, to the ground efforts in either um, protection or education. And Heidi Jo, were one or more of those eight beneficiaries associated with uh, rangers? I'm just thinking that because the, as you've explained, because the pandemic has really opened up even more wide the potential for poachers to really move in, it would seem like more rangers, more protection against that would be a huge, uh, important step. In, that's, in, that's exactly right. Okay. Uh, that's what Project uh, Rhino and Rhino 911, uh, Softfoot Alliance, um, Game Rangers International, even though they have an orphanage, they also are very about rhinos and protection. Um, you know, uh, Aranyak, uh, which protects the tigers. It's uh, Lindsay Africa is a, a foundation that protects lions in Kenya. Um, uh, Rabia Hawa is a, a female badass who uh, leads, you know, many male ranger troops into the bush protect these animals um so yeah we this is exactly what what the idea of the event is to go to um reinforce um the the programs that have been cut due to lack of funding. Yeah. So it's really fortified the rangers and the protection against the poachers coming in. That's really what the overall, the, the main source of that funding uh, that you've generated from this huge, huge event. That's where it's basically be earmarked. That's right. Yeah. And uh, we also had a partner on there. It's kind of, it's, uh, we partnered also with Blood Lions, um, which is not a uh, charity, but it's more of a movement. Um, and this is something we can get into on another show, but they um, have brought awareness to the pan hunting um, uh, epidemic of, you know, raising these animals for sport, for human entertainment. Um, and they, they weren't a beneficiary. They didn't receive money. They just wanted to jump on board and support this uh, raising money for protection of animals out in the wild. Because I think that's really what we're talking about here, letting these animals be in their habitat that they're supposed to be in and yeah. why do 
humans have to keep uh, infringing into their territory. Yeah. You hear about uh, someone getting mauled by a lion. It's like, whoa, you know. I mean, why were you there? Yeah. Yeah. Why were you there if you weren't, you know, you know, maybe on a protective exploration? But why are you trying to, uh, you know, hurt these animals in their their territory? You're going to get hurt. You know. Yeah. You, you got got to respect that. You know. I'm not saying everybody going going there and get you know uh, one ranger was just trampled by uh, a couple elephants. You know that works with Project um, uh, Rhino, and you know it's very sad. You know he was trying to help the elephants move them to a different location, you know, so people doing good things can also it move them in terms of so that they were protected and not in harm's way. So, you know, it, which is unfortunate. He should never have had to be there. We should never have had to move the elephant at elephants out of harm's way, you know, and he got trampled in the, in the process. So these animals are dangerous, you know, but they should be respected and left in their habitat. Yeah, well, and again, I mean, sometimes it also, whether it's in Africa or over here, I mean, people that are getting too close or, God forbid, taking their effing selfies and then wondering why they're being trampled or attacked or kicked or whatever, it's like, I mean, really, just enjoy the animal. Take a picture from, you know, a safe distance. You don't have to be in the picture with the animal necessarily. I know that's crazy talk, but uh, I just, seriously, I just, every time I see something or a a little piece of video where someone just is like crowding this animal, I mean, a wild animal. I mean, get as close to your dogs or cats as you want, of course, but I mean, I just don't get it. So yeah, then if you take that into elephants or anybody else who's at a certain point going to feel threatened and going to respond. So. Well, but what's worse, Duncan, is the people that are posing with the animal they just killed. You know, that's uh, the gut. And, and you just can't imagine how someone should feel good about that, you know, about murdering an animal and then posing with it. It would be like the same thing as murdering a person. To me, it would be like murdering a person and then just standing and being very proud and taking a picture with them. You know, I mean, it, it's nonsensical. Yeah. Posting Wow. You're really, you know, you're really great that you could take a gun and kill something and you feel like you are a conqueror. Give me a break. Yeah. Well, uh, also, when you made reference to the canned hunts, I thought, oh, okay, that's one other thing. But anyways, let me just, instead of, instead of blowing my top, let me say this is Talking Animals on WMF. I'm Duncan Trust. My guest is Heidi Jo Mark Elbow. In the final min- moments of speaking with her about her organization, Stop Poaching Now, whose efforts to combat poaching have faced greater challenges in the COVID-19 era. We have just a few minutes left, but if you want to get into the conversation with a phone call to 813-239-9663, emailing dj at wmnf.org. Or texting 813-433-0885. We invite you to do so. Heidi Joe, is there any way, maybe not in the wake of this event, obviously, that was just done two weeks ago, but more generally, is there a way to quantify some of the impact that Stop Poaching Now has had maybe in the initial years? Yes. Um, you know, we, we've raised oh, oh, close to a million dollars um, for this uh, uh, cause, um, and uh, that's a you know, we're, we're almost in the million dollar mark. We're, we're, that is a profound achievement. Um, we uh, have thrown oh, countless fundraisers of probably 25 um, fundraisers in the five years um, that we've had, you know, uh, some to dinners, intimate dinners, to galas, to, you know, by spinathons and, and, you know, the, now the global E-Race. Um, and uh, we have about 20 um, amazing board members 
in Hollywood that I can't speak highly enough. I could never do this by myself. Uh, my partner, Sebastian Sarah Watt, uh, is with me every single day, you know, in this fight. Um, and, um, you know, we brought, uh, we've been into 11 uh, states, uh, school, uh, sorry, speaking to education, we've gone into 11 states, uh, about seven countries um, with our global um, conservation education program. Uh, where we go into schools and we have created an online content, um, like uh, conservation modules to teach kids um, that teachers can access and download uh, free on our free online content. Um, yep, yeah, we're really uh, we that trained about 500 rangers in our advanced training programs that we funded. We have uh, reached over 10,000 kids. Um, yeah, it's, wow. you know, it's That's... quantifying. It's, it, listen, we're, we, we don't, we haven't had any, um, angel backers, we've done this, you know, a hundred dollars at a time. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we really, you know, we're very, very careful with our fundraising that every dollar has an impact. It's so important to us that nothing gets wasted. Um, you know, there are no, uh, you know, salary, executive salaries. Um, the money just goes to the program. Yeah. That's important. That's really um, great. Because, you know, this isn't my, this isn't my job. I don't get paid for this. This is where I put my money, you know? This right. Is where I put my money. That's where your um, passion is, yeah. I'm very passionate. You know, God bless. I am, you know, able to have a wonderful career in the um, movie business, and, you know, I'm very uh, thankful for that. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a thing to give back. If I can make a difference and uh, with my friends out here in Hollywood and we can you know, turn the tide of coaching, um, you know, we feel that we have give, we've done something with our lives that matters, that's bigger than us. It's better than making any Hollywood blockbuster. For sure. Well, we're just about uh, at the end of our time, Heidi, but I want to get at least one of our callers uh, involved. Uh, hi, you're on uh, Talking Animals with Heidi Drew Markell. Quick question if you have one. Yeah, I'm interested in, you know, like wearing environmental t-shirts, things that, you know, advertise causes like this. Is it possible, you know, for a $100 donation, you could print a t-shirt with information on it so people can wear this and, and start conversations? Absolutely. Absolutely. And of course, we have um, Stop Coaching Now t-shirts on our website. Um, oh, so you can you can go to our website and, and order those. Um, and, you know, all the proceeds go to the cause. You know, they're, uh, I think they're 20 or $25 each, so uh, you can get a few of them and give them as, you know, birthday presents, Christmas presents. Um, it, it really starts the conversation, and thank you for doing that because that's what we need to do. Is I'm sorry, what was your name again? Deborah. Deborah, we need to have this conversation with our friends, you know. It's enough about, uh, it's great, we're always talking about politics this year, you know, it's an election year. Uh, but let's, you know, let's talk about the bigger picture. Let's talk about stop poaching and let's talk about these animals and how to keep them on the planet. That's a great conversation. And, you know, just get your friends involved in one of these, um, you know, or multiple organizations because this is this is our future for our kids. I'm going to thank, make five. Thank you, Deborah. <laughs> Thanks for your call. <laughs> thank you. All right, so I think we're at the end of our time, Heidi Joe, but I did want to say, uh, especially with Deborah's question of mine and just generally, that the website is stoppoaching-now.org. Stoppoaching-now.org. 
dot org. So all the right. kinds of information and what the some of these events we've been talking about and just other specifics that we got into and maybe didn't have time to get into are all found there. So Heidi Joe, thank you so much for joining us today on Talking Animals. I just want to tell you that I have created on the fly a new drinking game. So every time Heidi Joe mentions CITES, you take a swig. Now, in this case, I'm just drinking coffee, but it's working out really great. So anyway, so thank you for all your great work on behalf of all these beautiful animals. And I really appreciate your uh, time today joining us on Talking Animals. Thank you, Duncan. It's been an absolute pleasure and uh, so great for your viewers uh, to tune in and learn more about these magnificent animals and how we can all work together to keep them on the planet. So thank you for, for inviting me. For sure. I hope you get invited back. Absolutely, for sure. We're going to continue the the CITES game. That's right. (laughs) All right, thank you so much for everything. Bye now. Bye. In a moment, I'll speak with Patrick Verdugo, one of two founders of Two Shepherds Tap Room, a new dog park bar hybrid in Tampa that offers indoor as well as outdoor facilities for its human and canine constituents. Right now, though, we're going to step into the comedy corner with a little edge provided by the shrinking violet we know as Nick DiPaolo, offering a piece called Animal Activists in today's comedy corner on Talking Animals. On WMNF. I'm sick of activists. Everybody's a goddamn activist in Los Angeles. Everybody's like an animal activist. I love animals too. But you know, if I see one more person walking a dog with a coat on it, I'm gonna stab him. I swear to God. That's the first sign of mental illness. You start dressing up your pets, okay? Take the snorkel jacket off the chihuahua. The dog was born with a coat. He doesn't need another one. It's like giving an alligator false teeth. Leave him alone on the lawn. He licks his own balls. Let's buy him a tweed jacket. Mm. We don't even have kennels now. We have doggy hotels in this country. Did you see this? We got people sleeping on the streets in this country, yet somewhere there's a poodle pissed off because a maid didn't leave a liver snap on his pillow last night. I got a lady that lives next to me that talks to her pets like she thinks they're human. She's yelling at her dog last week. She's going, did you hear what I said? Did you hear what I said? I go, you know, I think his hearing's perfect. It's the English language that's throwing him off a tad. Maybe he can't hear you because he's wearing earmuffs and a hat. That was Nick DiPaolo with a piece called Animal Activist, taken from his album Born This Way. Now it's time to speak with Patrick Verdugo of Two Shepherds Tap Room, Tampa's newest bar dog park hybrid. This is Patrick Verdugo on Talking Animals on WMNF. Good morning, Patrick. Good morning, Duncan. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for joining us on Talking Animals. Yeah, thanks for having me. So I guess we're almost required to start with how the establishment got its name in a brief uh, description. Sure, sure, yeah. (laughs) Uh, kind of a funny story. My business partner, Ross, uh, came up with the concept. So uh, I have to give him credit there, but I think credit for the name uh, comes a little bit more from my end. Uh, we were brainstorming a little bit, and it just so happens that we have two shepherds. So my dog, Cooper, is an Australian shepherd, and Ross's dog, Hobbs, is a German shepherd. And I was just sitting there one day, and uh, it we were brainstorming, and it just kind of naturally came about. It was great. Cool. And what prompted you guys to open a, a dog park slash bar? Uh, and how did COVID-19 influence your thinking about doing so and the timing, et cetera? Sure. So uh, 
uh, we had actually been working on this for a couple years um, before COVID came about, so we, we really couldn't anticipate it. But um, way back then, Ross was uh, working as a lawyer. He's a corporate lawyer, and uh, he called me one day. He said, Pat, you know, I really, I really hate being a lawyer. I, I wasn't too surprised by that, but... Uh, <laughs> I, I said, you know, what's going on? What do you want to do? And he said, well, let's start a let's start a dog park. And I said, okay, sure, uh, but who's going to come to a private dog park? And then he said, well, well, what do people like as much as hanging out with their dogs? And it's beer. Hmm. So let's just combine them and make a, a dog park and bar. And I said, that's uh, a great idea. Let's let's do it. Uh, so so it really very naturally came about. Ross was very clever uh, in coming up with that concept. And then uh, we spent a couple years working on it, like I said, and we, we saw that COVID was presenting itself just as we were about to open. And we had been working so long on the project that finally we, we decided just to go for it and take the necessary precautions, which we have been doing. Uh, so it's kind of a roll with the punches type situation. And, and uh, thankfully, we've been uh, welcomed by the community and, and everyone's been very supportive and, and helpful with us monitoring uh, uh, the rules and, and keeping everyone down on COVID precautions. So it's, it's worked out really well. That's great. So now that you are up and running, how does it work? Let's say I want to bring my uh, yellow lab uh, in and have a, have a cold one maybe as well. So what are the steps I would take? Yeah, so if you go to our website, you can actually upload your pup's vaccinations. Uh, it's really easy. We use a, a system that's all digital. We're, we're big on, on uh, being tech forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, given that we're pretty young guys, so so you can upload everything there. Once your vaccinations are uploaded for your pup, you can come right on in and uh, sit down and, and hang out and enjoy yourself. Uh, we have food trucks as well, which is great. Nice, and uh, you can do do whatever your heart desires at our at our space. Um, and then if you if you're not a tech forward person as well, you can actually just bring your vaccinations with you uh, to the space, and uh, our our staff would be glad to look them over and upload them themselves. Okay, so you just you bring them that that time that you weren't able to upload them or you weren't quite sure how to do it or whatever. And then, then your records are already, then they're in the system from then on, so you're, then you're, you're free to come back. Right, exactly, yeah. And it's great because our system is, is uh, really efficient in that it lets us know when your vaccinations are coming up to an out-of-date point. So we can actually forward that information to you, give a little reminder, and ask you guys to, to go ahead and re-upload the updated vaccinations so everybody's taken care of. And uh, we make sure to keep our, our patrons healthy, both on two legs and four. Very cool. And on the off chance somebody wanted to come in without a dog, just because maybe they'd like to, sure. you know, have a have a quick one with amongst the dogs. Is that okay, or do you got to sort of bring a dog to two shepherds? No, one? not at all. Okay. Enough, we've actually had quite a few people come in and tell us that that's exactly what they're doing. They just wanted to come in with a group of friends and hang out and, and pet other people's dogs. It's a guilt-free way to get a little little uh, four-legged attention without having to own one of your own. So. Sure. Everyone seems to love it. It's a great opportunity to hang out with your friends, but, but also meet some new pups and, and have a great time. Great. Well, we're almost nearing the end of our time here, Patrick, but yeah. though I gather, as you know, you guys saw COVID kind of looming and decided to proceed, and hopefully that sounds like that's worked out pretty well. But I know it's also kind of affected one element at least of the operation because one one I think kind of distinction you have amongst other dog park slash bar operations is there's a pretty sizable indoor space that can also be uh, it's air conditioned I guess and, and can be used right. as a dog but I guess at the moment it's a little limited in how much of it can be used because of uh, social distancing right? Right well the beauty of our space is that we do have a, a huge indoor air conditioned dog park uh, as well as our, our gigantic outdoor dog park. So 
as much as we understand the concerns for COVID, uh, we do have the space to make sure everyone is social distancing. So it allows us to have our, our capacity, our half capacity, uh, taken care of, but also give everyone space for, for them to hang out as well as the dogs to play. So it's really a, a great setup. We got very lucky in our space, and, and we really think it provides something for everyone while keeping everyone safe. That's great. Okay, so again, we've already covered, but just one more time, the, the website is twoshepherdstaproom.com, if I'm not mistaken? Yes, twoshepherdstaproom.com. You can also go to our Instagram. It's just at twoshepherdstaproom. We have a Facebook as well under the same tag, uh, and all of our FAQs and information is uh, right on our website. That's great. Okay, Patrick, well, good luck, and I live in another part of the state, but at some point, maybe I'll, it will bring that uh, yellow lab in for uh, a visit and a, and a beer. So thank you so much, and good luck uh, on the operation. That's great. Absolutely. Thanks, Duncan. Have a good one. All right. You too. Thanks. Bye-bye. I'm Duncan Strauss. You are listening to Talking Animals on WMNF. Coming up at 11 on WMNF, it's Rob Lori with Radioactivity. And then programming continues with Midpoint with Nola Lay at noon. Then at 1 p.m., the music kicks back in with 360 Degrees of Blues, hosted by Harrison Nash, followed by Scott Hill, and the All Souls edition of It's the Music. Meanwhile, on this show at the moment, as the prize for Name That Animal Team, will be offering a Talking Animals t-shirt. We return to the original way of responding, which means the prize is awarded to the first person who calls 813-239-9663 and correctly identifies this animal song, one I was hoping to play a few weeks ago tied to the birder discussion. It's Name That Animal Tune on Talking Animals. I can't look at the rocket launch The trophy wives of the astronauts And I won't listen to their words Cause I like birds All right, we have, looks like we have some guessers. We'll take those off the air because we have just about reached the end of today's edition of Talking Animals on WMNF Tampa. I invite you to return next Wednesday at 10 a.m. for another edition of the show. Also invite you to visit TalkingAnimals.net for audio archives of every show we've ever broadcast. All our social uh, links to social media are there as well. And uh, also you can subscribe to our newsletter. So that's all at TalkingAnimals.net. This is Talking Animals on WMNF, Tampa, Brandon, Clearwater, Largo, Wiki, Watchy, and beyond. Stay tuned for NPR News headlines and Rob Lorai after that.